0: Get ready for truth and transparency from an ocean of liberal tears. Welcome to the Blue Shark Show with your host, Mike Lang. Subpoena
1: from the commissioner's court to executive session to no executive session to maybe we should table this. This is a big agenda item, item number 10 on the commissioner court, January 11th, 2022. It's all about the judge wanting to get the cell phone from Constable John Shirley through a subpoena. Yeah, so with this agenda item, the
2: commissioner's court, uh, believe it or not, does have subpoena power, though it is limited in scope. They're only supposed to be able to subpoena witnesses, not uh, devices, or in this case, an elected official and member of law enforcement cell phone. It was interesting to watch it unfold because we had these guys seemingly ready to say, hey, no, we're going to issue this subpoena without having any real precedent to base it off of. You know, they were trying to sail out into some uncharted waters, as one of the speakers put it, and things got, well... Pretty exciting.
3: And that brings another question to the table is the executive session that they never had. But when it comes to talking about personnel matters, like the hiring and firing of employees, that's one thing. But this is an elected official. So for that to be happening in executive session raises another question. It should be discussed in open court.
1: The judge called it. He said 25 to 11. We're going into executive session. Okay. He starts to get up. Dave Eagle says, wait, time out.
0: We're going to adjourn here at 25 to 11 into executive session. Thank you very much. Dave, okay. do we have speakers on this?
1: So good for Dave. Uh, glad Commissioner Eagle's on the court once again. And so they had this out in the open, which they should have, because John Shirley is an elected, elected official. He's not part of the personnel staff of Ron Cotton, Precinct
2: Commissioner too. That is a common misconception. A lot of people see that dynamic between the commissioner and constable where the commissioner is over the constable for their precinct, but all these elected officials, including the county judge, it's not a pyramid, it's,
1: it's more of a linear system, and it's supposed to be that way. And John Shirley, Constable Shirley's, you know, his people that elected him He's responsible for that, just like Ron Cotton is responsible for the people that elected him. And you kind of get tired of, you know, IT going to the commissioner, going to HR. HR did not hire John Shirley. No,
2: unless they voted in that election, they certainly did not. It was the people of Precinct 2 that hired John Shirley. And, you know, to see this commissioner's court continue to go after, particularly Judge Massingill continually go after constable shirley i mean this has been going on since constable shirley got that appointment i mean, it's been this has been in the works for a long time it's been a long concerted effort to try to discredit or uh, hopefully remove him which i know was being explored by the county judge at one point and for the county judge to feel like he's entitled to disciplining these other elected officials which he has no authority over again it's a linear system it's not a pyramid uh it really shows you his arrogance and his you know uh power hungry nature
3: it you know and i brought this up in the last episode too you see this from judge masson gill and he wants to go after these other elected officials that he doesn't like or agree with or whatever the case may be. But when you have an ex-rogue election administrator, they're not willing to do anything. It it just, it's mind-boggling to watch.
1: Because he agrees with them. And that was during the election phase of the Zuckerberg money and all that. But, you know, let's get into Mark Shackelford. And now Mark Shackelford is a candidate and he's running for the county judge spot here in Hood County. So he gets up to speak, and it was good to hear from the candidate. That's, you know, I wish we would have heard from more candidates, but let's listen to Mark. Mark had a great speech.
0: Like I like to say this would be fairly brief, probably no more than two minutes. I would ask that I not be interrupted. Should you subpoena the head of a law enforcement agency's cell phone in what appears to be a concerted effort to disparage, intimidate, and remove the precinct to Constable John Shirley? The sheriff's office has investigated Constable Shirley. So is the DA's office, the Texas Rangers, and probably another agency. Yet you continue this witch hunt. Why? Are the Texas Rangers not good enough for you? Or is it because you didn't like the outcome of the investigation? There are interesting parallels between your feud with Constable Shirley and the Russian witch hunt from a few years ago. Shirley won his election. You didn't like that. The real justice system looked at it and said he's good, yet you insist on continuing. You're wasting a lot of time, effort, and energy. Oh, and you're using a private email server to conduct government business so there's that. How long are you going to keep this up? Voting to issue this subpoena is like sailing into uncharted waters. Even if you believe Constable Shirley deserves punishment for some unknown crime that you've shrouded you in innuendo, You're opening the county up to some significant liabilities. You're violating the separation of powers and getting way out over your speeds. Constitutionally speaking, constables offices are independent law enforcement agencies that conduct investigations. What if he won't give you his phone because it contains information regarding an ongoing investigation? What if the ongoing investigation involves a member of this court? What if he's investigating you, Judge? Don't you think you should leave it to real law enforcement and the legitimate justice system? Let's stay out of the kangaroo core business in the County. Oh, and if you were wondering, the surgeon successfully removed Mrs. Shirley's cancerous tumor yesterday, and it appears that the chemotherapy that she had been going through these last several months helped put her cancer into remission. So praise God for that excellent news. You should be praying for the constable and his family, not trying to prosecute him. Thank you, K-John.
1: Mark Shackleford did a great job, in my opinion. Uh, He basically said, leave the investigation, if there needs to be one, up to the real legal authorities and not basically a kangaroo court, and was addressing it at the judge.
3: And he made some great points in there, one specifically being if there's some ongoing investigation of one of the members of the court— and the judge is trying to get his hands on that information that is a huge conflict of interest and that i mean there's there's so many consequences to that that it would just open up a can of worms for the court so he made some great points in there that being one of the ones that stuck out to me the most
2: you know for them to ask for this phone like you said he's the head of a law enforcement agency the constable's office of precinct 2 and can you imagine them trying to ask for Sheriff Deeds's phone, or uh, Constable Chad Davis's phone, or Constable Chad Jordan's phone under these pretexts? I mean that it would be outrageous. But because it's Constable Shirley, they feel like it's okay. They court. They try to downplay it and say, "Well, oh, we just want that cell phone back. That cell phone is property of the county." But in reality, the county has a budget every year and that cell phone and the service is budgeted for, and it was approved by the commissioner's court, and it was issued to Constable Shirley's office, and until such time that Constable Shirley is no longer the constable
1: for Precinct 2, that's his cell phone, in my opinion. And going back to the legality of this, and yes, under Local Government Code, Chapter 81, it says they can bring people to court and do certain things, but they are not an investigative agency at all and then you start talking about evidence then do you have reasonable suspicion do you have probable cause what is it that you need to bring all this to court who's going to investigate it and if john shirley decides not to give the phone what are the penalties so they're opening up a big can of worms for hood county we had a few more citizens that stepped up to speak And then all of a sudden, the judge got really excited and he had to put up a letter from IT that he said, this came in yesterday.
0: This is a letter that was written yesterday by the IT department outlining what the efforts were to retrieve the cell phone that was issued.
3: Yeah, like it was some kind of smoking gun,
1: <laughs> right? And it was dated October eighth of
2: twenty twenty one. You know, it, I think it was also parts of that were in the newspaper. It had been circulated online. I mean, this letter was old news, but I guess the judge didn't know that or was you know trying to deceive everybody.
1: Well, he was taken back because he turns with a bewildered look on his face and he looks at Cotton and he's like. Is this true? Have people seen this? And that was when I think Sharon Shelander came up to speak.
0: Thank you for letting me speak. Um, what I'm seeing out of this is I have to kind of back up with David had said that he was speaking. I read this letter a couple of months ago. It was out on the Internet, basically, for people to read this timeline. I've already seen it and read it. So I don't know why it's being presented as new.
1: What I really want to get into with this part is, fine, they had the letter. It wasn't yesterday, which would have been the 10th of January. It was actually October 8th, 2021, months prior. But since they had this months prior, the judge and the commissioner court made it a rule that whenever you put an agenda item on, it's got to be in by Wednesday, with the documentation to go along. Guess what document was not on the agenda? (laughs) That letter. Exactly. Just amazing how this smoking gun didn't make it on the documents, right?
3: Yeah, and you could tell the judge was pretty excited about this letter, too. Like, he was going to pull the rabbit out of his hat and get everybody in court about what this letter had to say.
2: And on that note of the judge's mannerisms, if you go back and watch the video, uh, for about the last half of the debate on this agenda item, the judge was visibly shaken. I mean, I've never seen him that worked up. You could tell he was in a mode of uh, what I would call severe insecurity where he's just, you know, reacting real fast and has these big
1: expressive looks on his faces. Honestly, he looked real weak. So the judge continues to read the letter from the IT department, and Owen wrote the letter, and he's part of IT. Uh, Drew is actually over IT, and both of them were out with a sickness, so they were not at court So the judge continues to read this letter that he thought was from yesterday, but it was from months ago. And there are some interesting statements in here. Uh, It says on September 9th, and they go on about the phone and they go on about, you know, hey, the phone was turned off. The cellular was turned off. And so they're making a big deal of the phone and the passwords were changed and the phone was turned off but yet there's a big problem with bringing this in, and why do you think there could be a problem, or why do you think they want this phone turned in so bad?
2: Well, if you ask me, and this is just my personal opinion, I think the judge has been so hard after this phone and so hard after Constable John Shirley because John Shirley does investigations. You know, the constable's position is one where you can do with it what you will. You can do the bare minimum, or you can go above and beyond, and You know, there could very well be some ongoing investigations, and that's something that people had hinted at during the uh, speaking portion of this, that, hey, maybe the reason that the judge wants his phone so bad is because he himself is part of an investigation.
3: Right. It's just red flags that are popping up. Like, this deserves a little more attention from the citizens. We need to get to the bottom of what's really going on here, and why is this such a big deal?
1: And the first line, and and you could go to the Hood County site, they put them on YouTube, watch the whole video for yourself, listen to it because the judge reads it almost word for word. Now, what they did was on September 9th, they did an audit of their devices within the mobile device management. So I don't know if this was the only mobile device, if they actually did it countywide, that might be another FOIA to look at. But going through this letter, and Owen wrote it, it says Owen at the top, my assumptions is part of it. And then he goes on with you know, what he said John Shirley probably did. Uh, by looking at personal records, um, in my view, as it stands, um, and then he says something like, in short... So there's a lot of assumptions, there's a lot of guessing, Um, not saying that Owen's not doing his job at all, he's, you know, trying to find out where the device is, at whose direction, we really don't know at this point until we do more FOIAs, but this letter is kind of written in a strange way, and that needs to be kind of addressed,
3: So when you're reading the language in this letter, it's extremely subjective. It's not based on fact. It is based on someone's opinion and assumptions. It says so right there in the letter. And the court is thinking about issuing a subpoena based on someone's assumptions?
2: Yeah, and, you know, the judge, when he presented this letter in court and the discussion that took place after, he presented all these subjective Uh, statements and assumptions by a guy who's not a member of law enforcement, he works for IT, as if they were concrete facts. I mean, this is not, this is, uh, for lack of a better word, a kangaroo court proceeding. You had a judge, you know, that's directed people to, uh, you know, hack into Constable Shirley's data. You have a judge that's now trying to subpoena his phone, and he's doing it all in a way where he's twisting words to fit his narrative and using people
1: as pawns in his political game. And not only that, he still thinks that the letter was written yesterday, (laughs) the prior day (laughs) and not months ago, which is, you know, it's like you said, it's got to be a red flag.
3: Yeah, it's a red flag, and it makes you like, what's really going on here? It, It definitely screams, we need to be paying attention to this.
1: So in true Judge Massengill form, he can't leave it alone, and Mark Shackelford that spoke earlier, he couldn't stand what he said, So he calls out Mark Shackelford from the audience when he's talking about all we want is the phone returned.
0: Just return the phone. I mean, do you you see a problem with that Mr. Shackelford? He said he would return it. I don't understand why he has to return something that he needs to do his constitutional his elected duty. He can't do it. It's been turned off. It's
3: been You know, in, with Mark Shackelford running for judge, maybe Judge Massenkill already sees him as the authority on this matter. I...
2: It's funny that you say that because the judge never wants to take ownership of an issue. He always says, well, what does the county attorney say about it? What does the district attorney say about it? What does the AG, let's get an AG opinion. Hey, what's the city manager doing about this? He never wants to take ownership. So he always wants to try to pawn it off on somebody else. And in this case, he asked basically for Mr. Shackelford's permission, who at that point is a member of
1: the audience. You know, at any time that the judge does that to a citizen that comes up to speak, and he has all the rights, the commissioners on the court do too, to ask somebody from the audience to come up and speak if they would like to. And I would have liked to see Mark Shackelford or anybody that they asked to come up to the podium answer their questions fully even though they're going to get interrupted but i think he did a good job and and basically said no judge he needs that for his job and the judge said well it's turned off so then you go back to why are you even putting it on the agenda then judge and why did you turn it off
3: right you where know? where did they get the authority like what precedent does this set that you can just arbitrarily turn off any constables or elected officials phone? that that our taxpayer dollars are paying for for these people to do their job?
2: And it's, uh, like you said, it's it's their phone and it's their office's phone. That phone belongs to the office of the constable, Precinct 2 Hood County. It's not Judge Massengill's phone as much as he would like to think it is.
1: It's the constable's office's phone. And one of the great lines that Dave Eagle has when he goes to speak is if we're going to do real court stuff, Let's do real court stuff the right way.
0: If we're going to do, if we're going to start doing real court stuff, then we need to do it in a real court way and put somebody on the stand, put them under oath and have them testify and put evidence in. Amen.
1: And that means, you know, Owen, you wrote the letter. You're not there. It's hearsay. So if we're going to do this the real court way, Judge and the rest of the court and the people, then let's bring Owen in, bring him under oath and say, Is this a letter you wrote? Are these your words? And explain to us about this information. Yeah, and
2: the other thing that Dave mentioned along those lines of doing real court stuff the real court way, if this weren't a kangaroo court, which it is, but if we weren't conducting kangaroo court, it wouldn't be an ex parte hearing. Constable Shirley is not there to defend himself.
3: No, and that usually happens in my experience, my personal experience. Those ex parte hearings usually happen because they're trying to do something that the other party might otherwise object to. And if the other party was there, wouldn't happen. So they're trying to basically get away with shady stuff. You know, I've been issued devices for work as a teacher and in other fields. If you get issued a device, and the first thing the IT department always told me was, change your password. I don't want to know it. So what is this big deal with the password? We've seen this kind of a pattern here with Judge Massengill wanting to know the passwords for specifically John Shirley.
2: Well, he wanted to know the passwords for John Shirley's uh, net data stuff so he could conduct his own private investigation using taxpayer resources and a private email server out of his office there at the county courthouse. You know, so he's he definitely has a thing for
0: passwords.
1: <laughs> and Dave, Dave said everything pretty much the way it should be looked at.
0: I question the legality of this in the first place. But whatever the case, Owen needs to be here so we can ask questions and put him under oath and get him to testify.
1: It's, if we're going to do this, where's the evidence? If we're going to do this, where's John Shirley? If we're going to do this... Where is Owen? Let's put everybody under oath and get to the bottom of this. Why is it so important that
2: we do this now? And if you look at it through that lens, the only person really pushing this is Judge Massengill. And a little bit of Commissioner Cotton, but it's mainly the judge. Why is he so obsessed with this? Why has he been conducting this investigation into John Shirley going back from basically the day Judge Massengill took office why is he getting John Shirley's passwords from the sheriff's office? Skipping the whole due process and uh, you know judicial oversight. Why is he doing all this without a warrant? Why is he trying to conduct a kangaroo court? To me, it really looks like the judge knows that he has something to hide, and he knows that
1: John Shirley probably has information pertaining to that. You know, you you talked about the judge and maybe a little bit of cotton being involved in this. And he spoke a little bit towards the end. And when Dave Eagle, Commissioner Eagle, was talking about putting Owen under oath, Ron Cotton was very interested on what Dave Eagle was having to say about putting Owen under oath.
0: Whatever the case, I believe that Mr. Owen needs to be here so we can put him under oath, chapter 81 gives us the does give us subpoena authority. Although I question
1: whether we. So in the end, off of agenda item number ten, they all voted five to zero to table this agenda item.
3: So they won't be issuing a subpoena based off of assumptions and subjective viewpoints.
1: The commissioner court, except for Dave Eagle, for the most part. Left this open for, and please go watch the videos, people. Watch the entire video. But it left it open to different interpretations, different theories on where you stand on this. But Dave Eagle had the best line, you know, real court stuff in a real court way. And when he brought that up, and that that's what you were talking about, that kind of turned the tide Other than the big smoking gun Mm -hmm. where the judge thought it was yesterday, but it was October. But that really turned the tide, I think, with a couple commissioners. And I think in a real court way that this agenda item got real in a real agenda item way. I think that's when you saw the judge saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to subpoena this, but... So let's just go ahead. Is there a motion to table? So all of a sudden now, all this is getting brought up, brought up, brought up, and boom. Now it's, hey, we better table this.
0: We will have a motion if y'all want to table it or issue the subpoena. I don't care.
2: By the end of it, the judge was backtracking everything. You know, the fact is, Judge Massengill is the one that put it on the agenda to do this uh, subpoena du casticum. And now he's saying, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Yeah, you do, Judge. You just didn't want the light shined on it, on what you were doing and why you were doing it.
3: Right, all those red flags that have been raised that now we really need to be paying attention to this. And you know what? This shows me... Just outside looking in as a citizen observing all this happen is that the judge is truly upset that he can no longer call IT up and say, hey, what's the password for John Shirley's phone so I can get in and access whatever information is in there. We've already seen it once with the net data files, and now he can no longer access possible information on the phone, and this is basically him throwing a hissy fit.
2: And a few things to keep in mind with the judge as we do head into the March primary election cycle. Uh, the judge put himself in a position now to where he feels like, and he has been exhibiting a lot of power and influence. Some of it is beyond the scope of the office uh, he's elected to. And Judge Massingill has been manipulating the system in a way that
1: benefits him personally. Please go watch the video for yourself. Decide for yourself, But remember the line, real court stuff in a real court way. Shark Show out.